Welcome to Small Church Shepherds, a weekly podcast of smallchurch.com, a ministry that exists to encourage, equip, and enrich small church pastors. My name is Dennis Ellenberg, and I'm from Antioch Baptist Church in Brandon. And I'm Jonathan Greer, pastor at Franklin Creek Baptist Church in Moss Point, Mississippi. Well, guys, today we have a, uh, a very um, timely and important conversation that we're going to do. Um, this is actually sort of a special small church shepherds because we're, we're sort of um, trying to get in and, and address a situation that it, it has occurred in our country that's really in the forefront of everybody's thoughts. If you've been on Facebook, you've probably seen the memes that are all over Facebook about the um, recent abortion law that was passed in New York State. And and just to give a little bit of information, this was um, an abortion law that um, has actually been on the books to be voted on and approved since 2007. It was uh, Governor Elliot Spitzer actually presented this bill in 2007. But since that time, the Republican state Senate has blocked it all 12 years that it's been brought up until this year when the Democrats won their first um, majority there in the state house and in, in New York state, and they passed this ball, this bill. And so I guess one of the things as we begin to talk about this um, not only do we have the abortion bill, but we also have Sanctity of Human Life, which happened the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, which happened two weeks ago, and um, the uh, National March for Life that happened two weeks ago, and so all of these things are coming together at the same time, and and it really puts the the concept and um, the discussion of abortion into the forefront of our minds, and so I, I think it's a great time to talk about this issue, and so to sort of get us started. Um, one of the questions that, that I think we need to answer is, what do our churches, what do small churches need to know about the recent abortion law, especially when we talk about churches that aren't in New York State? Um, this bill obviously does not directly affect my church because we're in Mississippi, but what do we need to know about the law? What are some of the, the troubling things in the law? And, 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 how, and you know, what do we need to know to share with our people about what happened in New York? Well, I would just start with, as you just did, and you you articulated very well, uh, Dennis, is get our information right, get our facts straight, do some research on it, because our, our, your folks will ask you questions about mm-hmm. what they saw in the news. Um, so do your best, do some research, uh, do some homework on it, get your facts lined up, and then just tell the truth. Uh, tell them right. what it is. Um, I think right. we've gotten to a point now, um, not only in our nation, but as Christians— and this uh, uh, evangelicalism is getting to a point now. A line has been drawn in the sand. We've moved past just political ideology and differences. Um, we, we are talking about life. We are talking about babies uh, who are creating the image of God. And I think we need clarity. <clears throat> I think we uh, need to speak bluntly and clear and call it what it is, um, you know, murder um, of these innocent life created by God. And, uh, and that's where I think we need to start with is, as you said, get our information correct, get it lined up, and then just being bold enough to speak, to speak biblical truth with grace and love. But we also need some fervency. We need some urgency to speak these truths and have some, some uh, strength um, in our backbone. And let's move past political ideology and Republican, Democrat. We're talking about life now. This is right. bigger than political ideology. 
On the flip side of that, we also need to let our churches know that this is significant and can affect them simply because New York has been a trendsetter for abortion law for decades and decades. Right. And just because this has happened far away in New York does not mean that one day this does not come up in other states and potentially even in our own government. Um, So we we need to know about this and we need to push back against this. People say, well, why does this bother me? It's in another state. And it says, well, it might not be bothering you now, but it doesn't mean it's not going to have future implications if you do not fight back now. Right. And and I just read, I'm going to read you something. It's a statement by the New York's eight Catholic bishops, and and it's a very short statement. I'm not going to read the the whole thing, but just sort of give some information about um, what uh, biblical leaders and church leaders are are seeing in this bill. This is what they said. The so-called Reproductive Health Act will expand our state's already radically permissive law by empowering more health practitioners. And this is not in there, but this is what I've heard. That means not just doctors. You could have nurses and other health practitioners, midwives midwives performing abortions. And so back to what they said, to provide abortions and removing all state restrictions on late-term abortions. And so that's sort of the concern. And, And so I agree with you, Jonathan. The concern is that this is going to this could trickle down into our states. It could trickle down into the federal government. And, um, you know, as small church pastors, number one, I think we should grieve anytime um, a person or a state chooses to end a life or chooses to celebrate the ending of life. I think that should be a time of grieving. Um and then number two, I think it should also be a time for us as churches to to get into these discussions with our church members, to get into these discussions about life and about when does life begin and um, all of these issues around abortion. Um, it's a great time for us to have these conversations while this is at the forefront of everybody's thoughts, because it, most most uh, you know national days of life. Most uh, most of the time, these days just sort of go through the church, and we may have something, but it's it's the urgency isn't there, like you said, James. So I think it's important yeah, and, for us to help build the urgency. And I'll go back as Jonathan was saying earlier about people may make the excuse, "Well, that's not my state." Um, I sort of. Uh, buck at that just simply for the fact of let me give you an example if we were to say tomorrow in Colorado they were going to reinstitute slavery um, I doubt very few people in New York would say well that's just Colorado um, so it has no impact upon me no there would be an outrage an outcry um, of Mm -hmm. that terrible exactly and I, I would encourage anyone who's listening at your church, this this is, again, the political and then even state. And you're right. They set trends. California, all these states and cities start sending trends. And, of course, it trickles down. But at the same time, instead of waiting for it to get to our front door, which it is to some degree, as we know of, Road versus Wade and the federal government, but it's to say – Speak up and, and no longer this. Uh, I know we have a, a Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, but the church where I, I help at and serve at, we were talking about this at our elders meeting the other day, is we, we've got to make an emphasis at least once a month in and, and a worship service where we are addressing 
um, the, 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 the dying, the slaughtering of a million children a year in right. our own nation. It's not happening a lot in our county necessarily, statistically speaking, but it's happening all around us, a million. I mean, think about that, a million uh, uh, babies. And so that's why I just, I say I push back in the sense of, yes, they transcend, as Jonathan's correctly saying, but also to encourage your people to say, again, it's not about that it's in another state. It's about what it is and who it is and how you are murdering someone made in the image of, of God. It, it would be the same thing as the Holocaust was going on and people say, but you know what, it, it's, it's not my problem. Um, right. We step up. We, 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 we step up and we speak up, of course. Right. Yeah. And I mean, to, to put that in, in terms that everybody can and can sort of understand, we, we talk about a million and sometimes that's hard, especially if you live in a state like Mississippi, where I'm from, where in the whole state of Mississippi, you have about three million people. You're talking about one third of the state. Um, but really, a, a way that people could see this, this is 3000 babies that are murdered every day in the United States of America. Yeah. And, and I think putting in that terms, if you type the state of Mississippi, that's one third of the state being extinguished like that. You take um, three three thousand babies a day. I think sometimes those are those are things we have to communicate with our people, because when we're talking about these big numbers, I think sometimes they they can't imagine that and it doesn't seem real to them. And, and I think we've got to find ways to communicate that. So what can a small church do about abortion and about this issue? What What are some things that we can do to help, like you said, James, stand up and speak up and be, um, you know, lights in the darkness, especially in a world where it seems like this issue is becoming more and more polarized? I'm used to it was safe, legal and rare. Now it is um, abortion on demand for any purpose whatsoever. We want it now. No restrictions. So what can small churches do? I think – oh, go ahead. No, go no ahead, I was going to say n- n- number one, and, and they can call it cliche or whatever, but number one is pastor, get in the pulpit, clearly articulate, and preach the gospel. Right. Um, just preach the gospel. Um, it, it's not new. It's something we've been doing for thousands of years as followers of Christ, and 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 this is why I, I push that. Why? Because in the gospel message, you have God, the Creator. You have a fall, but in that creation, man is made into the image of God, and then God, you know, saves us, gives us eternal life. So from beginning to end in the gospel message, it is a message of life, life that is made in the image of God, uh, 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 an image of Christ that we are given and restored in, so that we stand in the image of Christ. Christ at the end of the day at his kingdom before his throne. So the gospel message is life, 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 life. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's, I think, is start there. Just start there. And then as opportunity arises, as you speak out against uh, racism and, and different forms of that, speak out against what, what we're doing to, to, to children. Um, because this is not new. It happened in the book of Exodus as Moses came about. Children were slaughtered. Christ comes. Herod slaughters children two years and younger. So the sin is there. That spirit of evilness and antichrist and anti-life has always been around, and the gospel is the means of salvation. So start with the gospel, um, and then there are practical things. And I'm I'm, I'm sort of punning it to Jonathan because I know he's got some things to say about the practicalness of not only preach the gospel, but let's now 
back our message up with action. So I'll I'll, I'll, uh, share it to you on it. Yeah. Stepping it off of that, I mean, of course, preaching the gospel, but I have three things that are, I feel like, very practical. One is be aware. Um, You need to inform your church and keep it on their minds the need of what is happening, the crisis of what is happening, the tragedy of what is happening. And this doesn't mean every Sunday you have to get up and, like, display... Anti-abortion infographics in your slideshow, you know, but this does this does mean, you know, what have literature in your church that's readily available, like in your foyer on abortion, um, and abor and ways that they can help. Um, have you know, do take some times, maybe once a month or every so often, to say prayers for. Um, the crisis of abortion in our nation. All these things you can do are bring awareness. The second thing I would say is be prayerful. Um, that's in and of itself. Make this make the issue of abortion uh, a matter of prayer, not just the legal issue, but also bring before you the pray, pray for the women who are considering it, the doctors who are performing it, the nurses and aides that are helping, those who are in the trenches trying to fight this. And the last thing, you be aware, be prayerful, and lastly, be proactive um, and and that is find a way to plug in and I think we'll talk about some different ways that we can pl- churches can plug in as we get into the podcast yeah and, and I think you know to me when I talk about this issue and, and I think one of the things the, the criticisms that comes up and, and one of the pushbacks that I saw on Facebook a lot from some of the memes that people were posting and some of the things that people were saying was um, a lot of people would say things like, well, let's not call this murder. Let's not um, let's not stigmatize the ones who are having an abortion. Um, and, and so that leads us to our next question. How do we address the issue of abortion in our churches in, in a way that is biblically faithful, um, but at the same time, knowing that there may be people in our congregations that have been affected by abortion because, you know, whether it's someone who's had an abortion in the past or recently that's in our church, um, maybe a college student or a, a, a young uh you know, 20-something-year-old or even an older, you know, 30 or 40-something-year-old, or it's someone who has a family member or a friend who's had one, how do we address the issue in a way that is both sensitive to the needs of the people in our in our church, but also stands firm and, and doesn't... Um, doesn't compromise the message that this is, it is murder. I mean, it is taking the life of a child, of someone else, which is the definition of murder. So how do we do that in a way that's sensitive and yet um, faithful? Well, I think that it's, you've kind of hit on it without saying it, is what Scripture calls us to do, and that is to balance truth with grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we do call it murder. Um, I even, you know, in my own pulpit, I've used, I use words more strong like slaughter. Um, right. And, and we can use these languages, um, these words in this language to speak to the harshness, to the reality of what is going on. And hopefully the harshness is convicting. <laughs> if right. there is anyone that is thinking about or considering or 
thinks, oh, that's not murder. Hopefully the truth is convicting, but then also making sure that whenever we're talking on abortion, uh, just like if we talk on any other sensitive issue, we're balanced in it. You know, I'm not going to get up and, and preach a sermon on homosexuality that does nothing but bash it as a sin and does and doesn't talk about how someone who is homosexual can be redeemed and, and work into the be a part of a church, you know. And so I do. You need to do the same thing with abortion. Be honest. Be brutal about it. But then also in the, in the same sitting in the same sermon, make sure that you also um, are proclaiming the grace of Christ to those who are in that situation. Well, I don't think it does anybody any good to tiptoe around sin in any mm-hmm. any way. And I think that's my only criticism are people that are saying, well, don't call it murder. Don't say this. Don't be harsh. There are people that are hurting. Yes, there are people that are hurting because sin always hurts. Sin always damages. And and I understand that we need to be sensitive to people. But the way to me, the way that I I show sensitivity, I have have three boys. If one of my sons um, has a cut and, and it needs to be cleaned I'm not, you know, I'm sensitive to the fact that it hurts when I'm scrubbing it, but I'm also sensitive to the fact that if I don't scrub it, he's going to get an infection that's going to be worse. And so there's there's a loving way to point out sin as it is and to be truthful about sin, but at the same time to say, but there's hope in Christ. And I think that's important. Yeah, I, I, to those who on any social media platform, when they start talking about the harshness of language such as slaughter, murder, genocide, and, and we need to be sensitive, you know, and, and it, people are going through painful things. Um, you know, I, I maybe I should be more sensitive, just to be <laughs> honest, because um, that that child, it, it was very painful when their body was ripped into pieces. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and I'm not trying to be harsh, but, you know, keeping the, the reality of it is the reason we use harsh language is because it is so barbaric. Uh, let um, me just say this, James, before you go any further. Yes, you do mean to be harsh because I know you, my friend, and you mean to be harsh. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and what I mean is this, is, is saying there, there are times, and you see the prophets of God in the Old Testament and preaching and all that, that there is a time, and I guess we could hit on the law and the gospel distinctives and how it's used in our preaching, um, but there, there is a time to let the law of God do its mighty, weighty work in crushing um, us. There, therefore, it will point us to Christ, that there is someone who gives grace. There is, I need mercy, I need deliverance, I need forgiveness, for I have murdered, or I've been an adulterer, I have been a liar, I've been a blasphemer. I, I mean, I've been those things in my heart. I've been guilty of murder in my heart. Um, and so, therefore, that, that, that leads us to Christ. And, and again, I know it gets back to the gospel preaching, the sensitivity of it. But I think there, there is a time for a, a holy rhetoric of, 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 of forcefulness to the seriousness of it. But I, what I think that does, though, it allows us an opportunity, as you, y'all both perfectly said, to tell them of the grace of God, to let them know right. this is why Christ came to deliver and save sinners, which Paul says he's the chief of. Yep. Well, it also brings a point. I mean, and I know we're talking to pastors and you're going to be doing more as a pastor than just preaching. Um, But I, I, and so there's your preaching, there's your social media presence, but there's also your counseling presence and and there you're going to handle this situation differently from the pulpit than you are in the 
study. What I just said is is definitely a context of a pulpit, but also yeah. in the study. I've told a man who's in adultery, stop it. You know, I, I didn't, yeah. I, you know, is this is destroying your marriage? You know, there is forgiveness. You give them the gospel, but there there's a time where, you know, and 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 as you as you do pastoring longer, and I know many men. Um, who who listen to this are probably wiser than all of us combined that yes you know they come in and say they confess this sin yes there is counseling we point them to the cross we point them to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he gives us new life and forgiveness of sins but yeah I think that's a good distinction to make that that there there is the pulpit context and then there is your study one-on-one counseling context mm-hmm. um, where you're speaking to someone because more likely if they've come to you in a counseling session they're they're probably burdened with sin as yeah. right. what they're burdened with more than likely. Um, but, uh, but yes, and, and, and then of course that sets up something different. They come to you burdened with sin, you know, and, 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 and this burden of what they've done. We, we of course, the context changes our response. I Don't say. look at them like they're a monster when they tell right. you I've had an abortion. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly. Well, I agree with Ray Comfort. I believe, you know, when he talks about evangelism, he says you, you break them with the law and then you give them the grace of Christ. And, and I think if someone's broken already in their sin, there's no sense to pile on. The Holy Spirit's done that work. And my job at that point is to offer them grace and to offer them the gospel and to offer them that Christ can forgive them. Um, And and I think that's the difference between the pulpit, because in the pulpit, like we've been saying, I'm trying to break them. I'm I'm allowing the word of God um, to speak through me as as God's man in the pulpit, preaching to God's people um, for God's purposes. I'm there to speak truth. And hopefully if there's someone in there who's in, in this situation, that they'll be broken by that sin. But when I'm in the conference room, like you said, and I'm sitting down with somebody and I'm counseling them, um, they're already broken. That's the time for grace. Um, one more question that I thought would be interesting for us to talk about. What are some alternatives to abortion that small churches should be involved with to help mothers in need. What are some of those alternatives that we can help mothers with? I would say crisis pregnancy centers mm-hmm. is is something that any small church can be involved in. Um, they look in your area. Just Google crisis pregnancy centers near me, and they will they will come up. Um, these are centers usually where women can get ultrasounds. Um, a lot of times they'll have a licensed OBGYN that will come in on a certain day of the week that can do exams. Um, they they give literature usually that's pro-life they're trying to urge people away you can support them financially you can plug in to volunteer and help in those types of centers um all sorts of ways you can be involved in in that that's just one way yeah i i would back that up and and saying find uh Find those crisis pregnancy centers in your community. For instance, in ours, we have one called uh, Crossroads Pregnancy Center, um, and Amanda Curtis runs it. Uh, we know her, meetings with her. My wife has gone up there taking tours and volunteers. So 
what I would encourage you to do is to know them, ask them questions, ask them what their needs are, not only financially, but there's times they need maybe uh, diapers or other types of supplies they may need. Build that relationship. And before you know it, people will, they're coming in, they're getting sonograms. And then they're saying, I, I, not only do I want to know Christ, but where's a church I can go to that will help me. And, and so our, our church is, is sort of in the process to some degree, trying to figure out who those women are and, and get them connected with families that can disciple them and love them. So, so yeah, it's, it's a great, wonderful place to start, uh, get to know those people. And there's not one near you. Uh, find one a distance and, and see what you can do maybe to start one. I think you might be surprised right. to some degree what you can do and with the resources you have and the people around you mm-hmm. to to minister to those who are going through that. Because as he said, they give you literature on adoption, they sonograms. And I, I read a statistic that a, a woman that goes in there, she's 80% more likely to keep her child once she has a sonogram and sees it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that's huge. That's huge. Um, so um, sound like Trump, right? It's huge. It's huge. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, uh, but yeah, I, I, I would, I would definitely encourage you to get plugged in there and, and as a, as a pastor, and if you're a member of a church, you don't know, get with your pastor, get with your association. Um, uh, later on, we'll, we'll put some resources up that you yourself can research and find and, and take a look at and see how you can get involved. Um, not in this political thing, but getting involved in, in this fight. Yeah, it has some politics involved, obviously, but getting mm-hmm. out there and fight, fighting for these lives. Uh, well, I would, and, and just let me give you a website real quick. Um, for If you're okay. looking for one in your area, there's a website called care-net.org. You can go there and put your zip code in, and it will give you a list of crisis pregnancy centers near you. And that's care-net.org. Another thing that I think small churches can do, and I think it's really needed is because the criticism that I've heard from several people is, um, you know, you say, well, there's all these millions of babies, uh, almost 60 million babies that would be alive today if it wasn't for abortion. And their argument, their comeback is always, well, you know, what would you do? Would you have them be... um, would you have them live with parents that don't want them? Are you willing to adopt all of them? And so I think adoption ministries, um, ministries that give support to people seeking adoption, that encourage people to adopt, I think creating a, a, a culture of adoption within your body, those are some things that small churches can do. You know, encouraging families, look, if you feel um, if you feel called to adopt, we want to come up beside you because I'm, we know it's expensive. So mm-hmm. um, we're gonna we're gonna do some things to help you. You know, have fundraisers, um, help to to raise funds for diapers and those things, and to walk with those families as they're going through the process of adoption. Because it's unfortunately there's a lot of bureaucracy around getting an adoption, and it's incredibly expensive. So I think mm-hmm. churches being involved in that can be very helpful. Uh, I think hitting off of your idea of helping people adopt and building that culture. Uh, another way that small churches can help fight against this abortion um, with alternatives is being ready to help unexpected mothers in your community. Right. Um, they they might come into your church before they ever come into a crisis pregnancy center or something, or you never know. It's a friend of a friend of a church member or a family member's 
niece or something like that, you know, it, you're going to come into contact where there are surprise pregnancies in your community and things like diapers. You know, we in the, in another episode, a special episode is going to drop later. We talk about uh, me and a special guest talk about food pantries a little bit for disaster mm-hmm. relief. But there is nothing stopping you from building up a little supply of diapers to where if someone comes in a need that they can you can give them diapers. Formula has a long shelf life um, right. there. There's things like that that can sit that if there's ever a need you can say look you know what we don't have a lot but we can give you months worth of diapers to help you out we can give you formula we can we can come alongside you with grocery assistance you know with a food pantry um food pantries are more than just for disaster relief they're more than just helping the homeless sometimes a food pantry can be used for helping that unexpected mother um does your food pantry if you have one have baby food in it um because a lot of baby food has pretty decent shelf life. Um, so things like that is just another alternative. James, you got anything you want to add before we close I, up? I, I would say when we're talking about the pregnancy uh, crisis pregnancy center is there's the food, there's supplies. One of the things we try to encourage, not only individual givers, but churches um, making a line in their budget um, mm-hmm. to donate to known ministries that are gospel centered, mm-hmm. biblically centered, and they're out there, seeking to save lives. Uh, We created a budget line at our church where 15% um, of our yearly budget goes to a crisis pregnancy center. Um, And so, because we just got to the point, to be honest with you, that we heard a lot of talking from churches in our association around us, and we just said, it's time for us to put our money where our mouth is. And and so we, we, we challenged ourselves, our congregation, and it went from 5% to 10 more, which is 15%. Um, and so because most of these people who are working there are either volunteers or their salaries solely based upon people giving. Um, and so I would encourage you to give individually, not just one time, but do a monthly if, you, if they allow that and can do that. And you as a church leader um, to, to challenge your church. And I know it's a process. We're pastors. We understand but there's a process of challenging them, put you in line in your missions budget or something. And monthly, um, if you can or if you want to do it annually, um, give. Give to someone who's out there in the front lines yeah. helping saving lives. We know you can't be out there twenty four seven, but someone is at that clinic, and mm-hmm. um, and I, I really think it's worth our effort. I, I see as part of the mission, um, you know, that we are doing as the church. Well, another thing that we haven't talked about yet is that you can get on the front lines too. If there is an abortion meal, I call them abortion meals because they slaughter babies. But if there is an abortion clinic near you, um, call and find out. You don't have to tell them anything. Just call and find out when their abortions are. Um, And like Planned Parenthoods in certain locations do them all on the same day. Um, And so you can have a sidewalk ministry. You can go make sure you check your laws and you know about loitering and protesting and things like that but most states you can go and and plead with women you know and if you want help with that uh you can go to endabortionnow.com uh this is a ministry that is solely focused on helping to end abortion um now as soon as possible and they specialize in this abortion 
clinic ministry. They will help give you resources. They will help you figure out how to do flyers and posters, and they will help you if you just want to be proactive and email all your legislators. They have a little tool on that website that helps you send a letter to all your representatives. All you got to do is put in your zip code. Um, we can be on. You can be on the front lines. Where I am in Mississippi, there's only one active. There's only one abortion clinic in the whole state, and it's not actively performing abortions as far as I know. Um, but I live next to Alabama, and there are abortion clinics a 45-minute drive from my house. You know, that's reasonable for me to be able to go once a week, once a month, whatever, and and try to reach these people before they walk in the doors of, of this clinic. Right. And one other website we want to sort of encourage people to go to is uh, preborn.org. Um, this is a web. This is a ministry that does ultrasounds. As James noted earlier, eighty percent of women who see their babies before their abortion choose not to have abortions. Also, uh, two movies we want to encourage you to watch. Um, now we're not. We're not endorsing these as far as ones we've watched yet. One of them is an upcoming movie, and one is one uh, Jonathan and I have heard about, but we've heard great things about them, and I can't wait till I get to see them. One is the Gosnell movie about um, uh, Gosnell from Missouri and, and what he was doing and and some of the, the things that he did. And then the other one is called Unplanned, and it follows Abby Johnson's testimony. Abby Johnson was an abortion provider, and um, after she... She saw what was going on behind the scenes. Now she is an advocate for life and um, has a ministry that advocates for life. And so those are two good things. I think the Unplanned movie uh, comes out in March. So we want to encourage you to maybe go see that. If you know someone who's considering abortion, take them to go see it with you. Uh, maybe they'll see something at that movie that will change their mind about abortion. Um, any final thoughts, guys, before we close this episode? I'm good. All right. No, I just well, continue to continue to fight the good fight and, and, and stay in the trenches and continue to pray and, and preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. All right, James, well, why don't you take us out? We want to thank you guys uh, for tuning in today, listening to us. We know it's a heavy subject, uh, but one that needed to be talked about. We hope you're encouraged and you're challenged and feel more equipped uh, to go out and to fight this good uh, fight of faith that we have before us. We need a couple of favors from you um, as you listen. One is if you go to Twitter, uh, look up Small Church uh, in the Twitter handle there. You'll find us there. We want you to uh, uh, follow us, and if you will, share, comment, do whatever you need to uh, with our articles and blogs and, all, of course, podcasts that come up there. Also, you can go to Facebook. You can find us there at Small Church Shepherds. If you will like us and follow us, and, of course, as always, share our blog articles, podcasts. If you have any questions, any comments, please leave those there. We love to answer them or any show ideas. Uh, we, we love to hear from you. Also, you can go to iTunes to hear this uh, podcast, uh, uh, to download it there, follow. Um, leave us a review, five-star review, if you will, and uh, we appreciate that. If you do have any specific questions, comments, uh, topic ideas later down the road that you'd like for us to discuss, please uh, go to smallchurchshepherds at gmail. Uh, dot com. You shoot us that email, we'll read it, and we'll try our best to get to it. As always, we appreciate you guys listening in. We pray that you're encouraged um, to continue uh, to do the good, the work of the Lord in a small church setting. Uh, thanks and God bless. Mm-hmm.